And so, church family, would you pray with me as we ask God to bless the preaching of a word? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for these moments where we get to hear your voice. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Lord, let chains fall today. Let peace break through today. In Jesus' name, amen. I've seen many movies, but not all of them stick with me. There is one plot line that has stuck with me over the years, and that is a show called The Truman Show. I'm not sure how many of you have ever seen The Truman Show. Now, if you haven't seen this movie, let me inform you of the plot line that is so memorable to me. It's so memorable because Truman, the character played by Jim Carrey, is living a lie. See, his whole life has been scripted. TV producers have created this bubble that he lives in. They have scripted what school he's going to go to, what job he's going to have. They've scripted his best friend and even his wife. And he's just part of the play. What's interesting about the story is that he starts to figure out that he's living under this script. He's living a lie. One day he wakes up and there is a, a light that has fallen in the middle of the street. And he's like, where did this camera light come from? Another time as he's trying to break out of the script, he wants to fly to Fiji. And as he goes to the travel agency, he sees this sign, <laughs> which isn't good advertising for a travel agency. And so his goal is to figure out, am I really living a lie? What is reality? And eventually he breaks out. He gets to the backstage door, um, and we see him running towards a new reality. It's always stuck with me because I think he, he lived with cognitive dissonance. He understood what was actually going on is not right, and he had to seek the truth. What he epitomizes is our first fill-in for today. If you're taking notes, I believe that living under a lie robs us of peace. Watch that movie if you want to see a guy without peace. <laughs> but that's also so true in our lives today. What happens when a young child lives under the lie that they are not loved? What happens as adults where we live under a lie that God is not in control? What happens in the dark of the night when we wonder, am I alone? It robs us of peace, doesn't it? You know, someone who lived a version of the Truman Show was a man named Solomon. Solomon started off really well, if you read his story. He wanted to serve God, and so he asked for wisdom. God gave wisdom and everything besides. But then he started believing lies. That maybe there was greater fulfillment if I just do some great projects. Maybe there's greater fulfillment if I just have a lot of money. Maybe there's greater fulfillment if I have a ton of romance. He had a thousand women in his life. Maybe there's greater fulfillment in searching out all wisdom and knowing all things. And yet, apart from God... If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, all of it was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. He understood he was living under a lie, that something else could provide what only God could. And he had to get out from under it. Something I love about coming to God is that, yes, with God is peace, but also with God is truth. A truth that changes things. A truth that helps us climb out of lies. A truth that makes anxiety and fear slip by because now we have his promises. 
Billy Graham talked about this truth in his book, Peace with God. He said this, he said, Truth is timeless. Truth does not differ from one age to another, from one people to another, from one geographical location to another. Men's ideas may differ, men's customs may change, men's moral codes may vary, but the great all-prevailing truth stands for time and eternity. You know, it's interesting, I'm not sure everyone would agree with this. We live in a world of subjective truth, not absolute truth. What Billy Graham says, and what I believe, is that with God there is an all-prevailing truth. And if you find it, if you hold to it, if you try to hear it above all things, this is truth that sets us free. And that's what I want to talk about with you today. You know, what makes this difficult, though, is that every day we live, we are at war. And part of the warfare has to do with our spiritual enemy, the devil. And one of the references for the devil, you might know his title, he is the father of? Absolutely. And you see, when we meet the devil, even in Genesis, back in the garden, if you go back way there uh, to Adam and Eve, he shows up and he says, did God really say you must not eat any tree in the garden? Now, what if they answered truthfully? You know the truthful answer? Yes. Case closed. Goodbye. And then we could have avoided this whole mess. That's still the answer we need today. The same devil comes to us. Did God really say, you know what we need to do? Yes. He did. Case closed. Goodbye. But unfortunately, that's not the world we're living in. Unfortunately, when it comes to our own sinful nature, it's not always what we do. We toy along. And so today, I want to dive into a scripture that I believe gives us the most helpful strategy, the most helpful tactic to make sure that truth can stand above the lies. So that in spiritual warfare, we're no longer losing this battle and as a consequence filled with anxiety and fear. But now we're standing above with our conqueror Jesus at peace. So we're going to get into it from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, and uh, we're going to hear Paul defend himself, his apostleship. And also he's going to have them fight for truth. Let's hear these words. They're on the screen in your worship folder if you brought a Bible today. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face-to-face -face with you, but bold toward you went away. Now, this is part of his defense of his apostleship. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. These are such great words for this battle. And we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. You are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. These are the words of God. Can you say out louder to your neighbor, we have the weapons of God. 
we have the weapons of God. Uh, let's talk about that. All right. Have you ever had to vet someone out? Do you even know what that means, vetting someone out? Uh, for example, if you're going to make a huge financial investment, you have a lump sum of money, and, and there are many financial advisors, you might vet out a financial advisor to make sure they know what they're doing with that money. If you're approaching a surgery, you might want to vet out your surgeon and see where'd you go to school, how are you going to proceed, do you know this and that, right? You, you want to be confident in those cases. It's interesting that in the world of Facebook, where everyone has a microphone, we're used to vetting out certain people, financial advisors, doctors, lawyers, but we have stopped vetting out the many voices that we hear. If we hear someone that we don't know who has an agenda or maybe something to sell, if it makes sense to us, we pause and we say, well, maybe it is true, even though we have no idea. It's so common, isn't it? Have you ever caught yourself that way? I was uh, hearing about some guy called the Liver King. Give you an example. Have you heard of the Liver King? Um, he subscribes to the nine ancestral tenets of masculinity, and he's trying to promote that. And uh, he sells supplements, he sells his program, he has a following. And um, as time went on, people started vetting him out. Not initially, because he created quite a wave for a while. But as people were vetting out, people in the know, they're like, there's no way you can look like this. And by the way, he's usually without a shirt on, so I, I gave a better picture. Um, and, uh, and they're like, there's no way you can look like this without steroid use. It's just not possible. The human body is not always in flex mode, okay? And so those in the know finally are like, we got to ask you, are, are you on? And it came out, sure enough, right? When he was finally vetted out, the truth came out. All right, for us, we don't have to vet out every Facebook source, the Liver King, doesn't matter if that's consequential or not. But I have two sources that I think, as we go forward in this strategy, you're always going to have to be aware of. They're two very, very popular sources. They're sources that even as I touch on them, I might even rub you a little bit because they're so common. But we need to go there, and I need to warn you about them. Are you ready? So the first source is popular opinion. We live in a world where if it's popular, if it's romanticized, if everyone is thinking those thoughts, well then, it must be true. Popular opinion wins the day. But I need to warn you about popular opinion. Jesus said through the words of Paul, these words. And this is what's happening right now. He said, the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine or truth. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. We live in a world where this is going on. People to suit their own desires, to do what they want to do, will try to find many teachers, even biblical teachers, so that ultimately they can do what they want to do. And our God says, beware. Beware. Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's true. Just because people are subscribing to it doesn't mean it's actual reality. You could be living the Truman Show listening to everyone else. 
So, so that's the first one. The second one, and this one's probably harder. Are you ready for the rub? It's how you feel. It's how you feel. That when you take something in, and, and this is maybe why we believe Facebook, maybe why we believe, because there's something in us that if, if it feels right, if it sits right, if it hits right, well then, in the court of my opinion, it might be true. But I need to warn us about what's inside. The prophet Jeremiah said this. He said, do you know that when it comes to your heart, it's deceitful? And it is even beyond all cure. So you could go to church many times and still you would not cure your innate sense. You would still be off. And so that's so important. In fact, as we consider this, when's the last time you lied to yourself? You ever lie to yourself in the kitchen? I'm just going to have a little, just a bite. You ever lie to yourself shopping? I need this. I mean, I don't need everything, but I need this. This I need. Happens all the time. And so our God, he shows up and he says, watch out. Watch out about these other sources of truth. And so in this, he jumps in and he reminds you and I today, there is something you can count on. There is a voice that when you hear it, you don't even have to vet it out because it's been vetted out. And that's his voice. With our God is truth, and everyone else will turn out to be a liar. Jesus, when referring to the Bible, he said, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word, it is truth. And what I'd love for us to be as a Christian community is a people who leave this place and are flooded with all this information and now start filtering it through God's lens. What Paul sets up is this idea of a wrestling match. In fact, that's what I had in my mind was this wrestling match. And, um, and what we have in one corner is all the worldly ideologies. And what we have in another corner is God's truth. And what this wrestling match looks like, it's this pinning of every other truth under God's truth. That yes, I might hear a lot of ideas. I might feel certain ways, but I'm going to make sure it always stands under what God has said. And that's what I hear Paul saying through these words. He said, so we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Remember playing that game, Uncle? I had a brother so we could play Uncle, or Mercy it was called, right? We make every other thought play Mercy until it submits to the authority of the Word of God. So if you're taking notes, I believe the quest for peace, it includes wrestling for this truth, making sure God's truth pins every other thing out there, stands above, going back to it. I want to give you an example of what this looks like. So one of the things I love doing is coming to this place where we can receive forgiveness. You love that? Love praying that out? Love receiving that in communion? But I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you had a really rough week. And if you were to rate your performance as a Christian, like, you didn't perform well. So you know what can happen? You can come to that moment where we confess our sins. You can come to that moment of communion. And you can actually leave the table and you can leave hearing that you are forgiven. But you guess how you can still feel? You can still feel guilty. 
he can still feel defeated and in despair. So the question is, what am I going to trust? Am I going to trust what God has said or how I'm feeling in that moment? You know my prayer for you? That you trust what God said. In fact, I was thinking of something I could say that sounds really, really unloving, but, but is really actually very caring. A really unloving thing to say is, I don't even care how you feel. Trust what God said. Right? These are the people that we should be. Feelings aside, worldly thoughts aside, my agenda aside, what did God say? All right. It pins everything else. But the problem? The problem Paul points out is that we are not really good wrestlers. The the problem Paul points out is that we're living the Truman Show. In, In fact, Paul says we don't war very well. He reminds us, we're living in the world, but we don't wage the war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have power to demolish strongholds. And as I was considering warfare, I was considering, like, this fortress. And if you had, like, you know, gates or a high wall, how low our gates are or how low the wall is for letting enemy thoughts in our head. We allow sometimes almost any and everything to invade this space. And instead of using the stronghold, the the, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, we sometimes let it sit there and stew. And as it sits there and stews, we get the worldly bias and our own confirmation bias because our defenses are low. And we're not thinking on the excellent and the praiseworthy. And we're not using the sword of the Spirit. And what happens is now we get beat up by it. And we have a lack of peace, and we have a ton of fear. All these things because our gates are loose, our walls are low, and we're not fighting this war. And so today, if we're going to repent, I think God is calling us to repent for all the times we haven't fought very well. We haven't taken the battle seriously. We've let any and everything in our minds without fighting against it. What if Jesus did that? What if Jesus fought the war we, the way we fight? Do you remember him against the devil? So he'd been fasting for 40 days, and the devil says, well, what if you turn this stone into bread? What if he operated on how he felt? Well, I'm pretty hungry. What if he asked the question, well, did God really say? Father, is it really bad? Like, Father, you know we're going to change water into wine. What's the big deal if I turn stone into bread? That's not how Jesus fought. What did Jesus do? Took out the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. He says, you know what, devil? Man doesn't live by bread alone. And that's what he did through every temptation. Devil shows up, says, throw yourself down. Twist the truth. He'll command his angels. And and what does Jesus do? He responds with the word of God. Don't put the Lord your God to the test. What happens in that final temptation? Devil gives him a loophole. Bow down. Reign right now. Serve the Lord and him alone. That same Jesus is here. He's got the sword for your mind. 
to drive out every attack. And he says, you know what? You are forgiven. You are loved. You are not alone. You have overcome because I overcame. These are truths. This is reality. And this is what leads us to peace. So we talked about sources that we have to wrestle with. But now I want to dive a little deeper onto specific lies. Specific lies. A book that has shaped me for the last decade is called The Lies We Believe by Chris Thurman. And in this book, the reason it shaped me is because we, we are apt to believe lies. Here's some of the common lies that people are apt to believe. I must have everyone's love and approval. I can't be happy unless things go my way. I can have it all, and life should be fair. Now, any of these ever catch you? I know kids operate by fairness, right? Life should be fair. My sister got this. I need this, right? They're, they're always going on, and the reason we believe them is there's some truth there, but it's not a complete truth. In my study with other pastors, do you know the most popular and prevalent among pastors? That my worth is determined by my performance. And I think it's not just for pastors. I think it's just very cultural. My worth is determined by my performance. And you think of how many times that's confirmed. If you're a straight-A student and you get a prize, my worth is determined by my performance. Or you get the promotion. My worth is determined by performance. You play any sport and you win the game. My worth is determined by performance because I know what it feels like losing. But this is such a lie. You and I fail all the time. And if our true worth is only determined by how well we did, man, we're not going to be feeling so well. We will not have peace. So what is the truth our worth is determined by God, <laughs> by what he said, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, in the book, it, it told the analogy of a car maker and, and how often a car's worth is based on the maker of it. And, and so let's say you have a Rolls Royce. It doesn't matter what model Rolls Royce you have. That's an expensive car. That's our God. He doesn't make Hondas. He makes Rolls Royce. That's what you are. And it's not just determined by what he made. It's determined by how he paid us, paid for us. The price he set for us was the blood of his son, which means you are priceless. Your worth is not determined by your performance. It was determined by Jesus Christ and the blood he shed. That's us. But that's just one example. And I want to leave you with some homework today. And I really hope this homework sets you free. So in your worship folder or online, we've put it on our website, are a list of common lies. Feel free to take this out, look at it a little bit. Uh, not the whole thing, otherwise you'll be distracted the rest of the time. <laughs> um, but on the, the front part is, is going to be all the, the common lies. Uh, if you're grouped this week, um, you're, you're going to just go through this together. Um, and on the back side will be God's promises or God's truths. And the goal for this week is not only finding God's truths past the lie that you tend to believe, but somehow highlighting that truth in your life. Maybe through a sticky note on the mirror when you wake up. Um, maybe in your journal. 
that, that we want to operate with the sword of the Spirit, which is God's truth over anything that comes our way. So this is our homework for today. But as I approach Scripture, there is one spiritual lie that can disrupt the whole apple cart. And uh, I saw it in Jesus dealing with uh, a rich young man. I don't know if you remember this account. The rich man, young man was living under a lie, and the lie went like this, that good people are good with God and go to heaven. That was his lie. Good people are good with God, and then they go to heaven. And so this rich young man went to Jesus and said, you know, what should I do to inherit eternal life? He was trying to get some confirmation bias from Jesus, right? I'm a good person, so I'm good with God. I'm going to go to heaven. And so they talk about the commandments. They talk about what God has said. And the young ruler, uh, he responds this way. He says, all these I have kept since I was a boy, <laughs> which the audacity of that claim. <laughs> all these, I, I've never sinned, right? Um, until... Jesus in love, because he loves this man, doesn't he? Jesus in love points out the one thing he hasn't done, points out the sticky issue. He, he says, sell everything you have and then come follow me. And what he's trying to prove, not to get him to despair, but that he hasn't kept all the commandments. What he was trying to dispel is this theory that good people are good with God and then go to heaven. Because, young man, you haven't been good. And that is still the most common spiritual lie. Good people are good with God and then they go to heaven. Have you ever been there? It's interesting that sometimes it's why people go to church, right? It might be a reason why you came back to Amazing Love or online. You know why I'm here? Because good people, and I'm good now, are good with God, and I go to heaven, right? Might be a reason to sign up for more activity, volunteer. Be in a group, give money, all these things. The only problem? This is a major lie. And this is a lie that infuriates Jesus Christ. You know why it infuriates Jesus Christ? Because if this lie were true, he wouldn't have to bear the cross. You mock the cross of Jesus Christ every time you believe that lie. You know why else this is so damaging? People who live their whole life living this lie will think that they are good for heaven and then won't get in. Wow. The irony of that. Trying so hard to be good and then not getting in. Because what's the truth? The truth past what we feel spiritually is this. All have sinned. All there's no good person, not even one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And when we believe that, oh, it's like the gates of paradise are opened. You can leave today knowing that however you fought the battle, the war is won. You can leave today knowing if God returns today, you're good. Not because you have it all together, but simply because you have the Savior and you're justified through Jesus Christ and Him alone. This is the ultimate truth that sets people free. This is the gospel, friends. That not a single day have we been good enough. Not a single day have we been good, but Jesus Christ always has been. And you are at peace with a holy God. 
who has a heavenly home simply as a gift. What an incredible truth. What an incredible foundation. And so we can't get too far away from this. We can't get too far away because the truth is the quest for peace has at its core, at its core, that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And when we know this, we know we've overcome. We know we're loved. We know we have peace. This truth is so big. It's why Paul is writing this letter. So let me share with you the beautiful context. Paul is writing to these Christians because they are getting away from this message because they're questioning Paul's authority. See, they've heard from other people, probably not through Facebook, but people have come to town and they're like, well, that preacher was more eloquent than Paul, and, and that one seemed to have more knowledge, and, and this other one charged us money for his ministry. Paul didn't charge us money for ministry, so maybe he's a counterfeit. And so Paul has to enter in. And he even says, it's ridiculous, I have to defend myself, but if I have to, I will. And so Paul, starting to defend himself, says, you're judging by appearances, you're believing lies. Someone else is true because they charge money or whatever. But if anyone is confident they belong to Christ, they should consider that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. I don't know how we've fallen. And the funny thing for Paul, it wasn't about him. Like, Paul wasn't throwing a pity party. Oh, they don't like me. Oh. Paul knew if they discarded him, guess what they'd also discard? The gospel. Paul fought for his apostleship so that they would know the gospel. He understood what was at stake. He said in the next chapter, if someone comes to you and preaches Jesus other than the Jesus we preached or you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it. This shouldn't be. And so Paul reminds them that he was sent by God. Not so they would accept Paul, but they would accept Jesus Christ and that gospel which is freely given through the cross. What we then find? That the quest for peace is trust in a message, not a man. That's what Paul was exemplifying. I don't even care what you think about me. But I care about this message of Jesus because it is everything. It is everything. That's still true. You know, it's one of the dreams I had for Amazing Love as the pastor singularly for a time. And then this Pastor Jeff guy came. Do you know him? Have you met him? He's a pretty fantastic dude. But what you get to hear is the same message from a different man because it was never about the man. It was always about Jesus Christ, who is real, who has a gift for you. And if we believe this truth, what could happen? You know, as the Truman Show ends, it shows him running off to his new reality. His heart beat for this girl that he met along the way, and so he's going to live that reality, that truth, not a scripted one. You wonder what Solomon did 
As Ecclesiastes said, is the end of his life, and he understands, man, I've wasted time. I've wasted opportunity. I wonder how he ran after God who is above the sun. What would it mean for truth to truly reside in our hearts and our minds? I think it'd be an answer to anxiety. I think it'd be an answer for fear. Maybe they'd never go away, but I think they would surely help as we have God's truth over all. What it would be is this passage I saw this morning. The spirit that God gave us, it is not a spirit of fear and timidity, but it is a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. It's what he gave you. May you use it. Amen. And the peace of God, which transcends even our understanding, may it guard your hearts, and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. This time we get to encourage one another. The way we do that is just by sharing a common faith. Uh, today we'll use the words of the Apostles' Creed as we confess who God is and what he's done. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.